Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. Yes, good to see you all here today. Got a question for you this morning. Serious question. When was the last time you complained? (laughs) Might have been this morning. You know, you you came in here and you say, man, this church is getting so full, I can't find my my seats. Right? Or you're saying, hey, I came to hear Brent preach today. What's this guy doing up here? (laughs) Right? Yeah. (laughs) That's Brent. Yeah. Um, You know, we complain about lots of stuff, don't we? We do. And I think we would all be shocked if we realized how much we complain. Um, We've been in a a scenario now, the last couple of weeks, where we're voluntarily fasting so we can pray so we can focus on God and uh, and we know that that that's going to make a difference in our lives but sometimes when we fast um, we complain right we, we just think about oh man did I really commit myself to this is this something that I re- that's really going to do anything and, and we, we understand that it's good for us but ugh, it's so hard and if we're not careful, we find ourselves just complaining a little bit, right? Well, I want, to, I want to direct your attention to the fact that Jesus did some praying and fasting. And if you want to open your Bibles, just for a second here, Luke chapter 4, verse 1 through 8. We're going to look at this for a, a short bit this morning. It's Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And, and there... He spent 40 days, 40 days, and he was tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. That's fasting. And at the end of them, he was hungry. That's where you go, duh. I mean, Jesus was fully human. And to go without food for 40 days, can you imagine I hardly can do it in 40 hours, right? I mean, man, the tummy's grumbling and all this. Well, this says something interesting about Jesus. Jesus was fully human. Although he was fully God, he became man, right? Became fully human and experienced the same kinds of things that we, all of us as humans, experience. Jesus experienced hunger. Well, you know, when we voluntarily choose to set aside something for a period of time so that we can focus on God more seriously, we can pray. During that time, we're experiencing, if you will, hunger. It might not be hungry for food, but it could be hungry for something that you've given up. Something that maybe was very important to you. And and you, you anticipate it being important to you again at some point. Right? Because when you fast, you eventually come back to eat again. But what's really interesting about this scenario 
is that when we fast, just like when Jesus fasted from something that his body actually needed, food, what happened? Satan saw that as an opportunity to enter in to Jesus' fear and say, hey, I've got some alternatives for you. You're hungry. You see, when, when we feel a hunger for something, and that hunger becomes... Yeah, I mean, there's a difference between not being hungry and being hungry, right? When you're not hungry, you're not thinking about food, maybe. Unless you're a real foodie, right? But when suddenly that hunger starts to well up inside you, you're tempted to be focused more on that than maybe something else that you should be focused on. And so Satan enters into the scenario and the devil said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Now we know that Jesus can perform miracles. He took two little pieces of bread and multiplied them to feed 5,000, right? Or five, five loaves, five little things, and two fish. You know, I, I could have done without the fish. But anyway, that's another story, right? Okay. So Jesus has the power to perform miracles, and he could have done that. I mean, he could have snapped his finger and had a Big Mac right there. Boom. Okay? But he didn't do that. What does he do? Jesus answered and said this. Man shall not live on bread alone. Now, Jesus is actually saying, I need bread. The, the human body needs physically to eat. But that's not all that I need. You see, we, we get to the place sometimes in our lives where we think that something is going to satisfy us. See, if I had that, I wouldn't feel that hunger anymore. And you know, we've all been in that scenario where we feel hungry for stuff. We need one more thing. We need one more trip. We need one more better car or bigger house or another sweater or whatever it is. We, 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 we have this little sense and what Satan does is he entices us with things. And he sets those things before us. And he says, if you want to, you can have that. You can. Just touch your wallet and turn it into a sweater. Right? Take out that credit card and get what you want. It's the same thing. And yet Jesus says, you know, I know that I need stuff. But I need more than just stuff. Right? So let's go on with the story. The devil led him up to a high place, showed him in, in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to Jesus, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me so I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it'll all be yours. Now, Satan has something terribly wrong here. Okay. It doesn't belong to him. It doesn't belong to him. God is a creator of all things, including Lucifer, including Satan. Right. 
And so Satan thinks that all this stuff belongs to him. And it doesn't. It doesn't. All the glory and everything in the universe and beyond belongs to who? Belongs to God, doesn't he? So he has it wrong. So Jesus answers him and says this. Very interesting. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus has just answered the big question. What besides bread do we need? We need to love, worship, and serve God. That's what we were created for. We were created for a relationship with the Creator. And somehow we missed that. Adam and Eve missed that because Satan gave them the same lie. If you do this, which God told you you couldn't do, he says, is God really telling you the truth? He's holding back from you because he knows that if you eat from that one tree, out of the bazillion trees that he provided, you eat of that one tree, you're going to be like him. And what? Now, being like God, you can have it all. You can do things your way. And of course, that was wrong. But Jesus says it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So Jesus is responding by telling Satan what we all really need. Something that is going to satisfy you more than eating a half gallon of ice cream satisfies me when I'm really, really hungry. Okay. See, I can do that, but it really doesn't satisfy me. I can do the things that I enjoy, things I like. I can have possessions that, that bring me a, a, you know, a sense of self-worth and importance and all those things. But it doesn't fully satisfy me. Jesus said, I, God knows what you need. He says, don't worry about that. God's going to provide what you need. But what you need more than stuff is you need God. You need a relationship with God. That's what's really going to satisfy you. So, worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. What, what does that mean then? What, is, what does true worship and service look like? Well, take your Bibles if you have them or your Bible app and, and open to Romans 12. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 are, are really, really the, the, the verses that explain more fully what it really means then to worship God and serve Him. So let's look at that together. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is what? Okay. What does it say there? This is what? True and proper worship. So if you're to worship God and serve Him only, it talks about service a little bit later in the, in the chapter, but this is the key to worship God, to worship God. True worship and service begins with what? Begins with having the proper perspective on life. That it's all about God's mercy. That's how he starts it. In view of God's mercy, we have to have that as our, our life perspective. I have to view everything in my life through the grid 
of God's mercy on my life. When I think that I have earned something, I'm wrong. I only have what I have because of what? God's mercy. See? And and we've been taught by the world, by Satan, that if you work hard enough, you can have it. Or you don't even have to work. You, You can just finagle your way into getting the stuff that you want. Right? But it's not true. It's only because of God's mercy that I'm even alive. God thought to create me. Wow, what a blessing that, that I, I am coherent. I am I'm breathing. I'm living on this planet and I have everything I need. Physically, I've got way more than I need. Right? And yet, he says, if you're going to worship God, the first thing you have to do is have the proper perspective on life. You have to view everything through the fact that God is a merciful, loving, caring, compassionate, forgiving God. You know, I didn't get that for the first third of my life. I didn't. I mean, I went to Sunday school and I accepted Jesus when I was four years old because the lady who was doing the flannel graph story, if you want to know more about flannel graph, you can talk to me about it. That sounds, ooh, sounds cool, huh? Yeah, but... The fact is, they told the story of the guys in the boat. And all of a sudden, there was a storm thrashing around and everything else. And then they were, gonna, they were going to die. And then Jesus saved them. And then, the, then the lady who was, who was giving the little Bible story in our, in my mom's house, in our house uh, through Child Evangelism Fellowship, which still is going on today, you know, um, she, she scared me into accepting Jesus. If you don't accept Jesus today, you are going to die. I mean, I'm four years old. I don't want to die. Right? So what did I do? Man, I ran to my mom's bedroom, you know, and we knelt down by her bed and I prayed and asked Jesus to come into my heart so I wouldn't die. Okay. Safe. Done. Deal. You know, I found out many, many years later. That that wasn't the right way to view God at all. And I lived so much of my life in fear that God was going to get me if I did something that was wrong. And only years later did I really realize that it's all about God's mercy. And that I should, I should just feel so in love with Him because He, he loved me so much. To sacrifice his own son. To pay the penalty for my sins that I couldn't pay for my, myself. Unless I physically did die. Because if you don't accept Jesus and the free gift of forgiveness that he, he gives us through his sacrifice, you do die. Right? But that's not the message God's want, God wants to send to us. He wants to send the message of mercy. He loves us. He provides for us. He gives us everything we need physically and he gives us an opportunity to have a relationship with him that will really satisfy our soul so we don't have to focus on all the other things in life. See, we're to live life in, in view of God's mercy when it comes to everything. Really interesting, Tim Keller, you, a lot of you know that I love Tim Keller, great, great pastor. He, he uh, um, went home to be with Jesus this last year. But uh, he said this. 
He said fear-based obedience loses its power over time. It's draining. At some point, you just give up because you're just too tired and you just can't care anymore. Also, when we're motivated by fear, he says, we believe that somewhere there must be a line. And if we cross it, God will condemn us. And as a result, repentance, which we're commanded to continue to repent of our sins and, and remember that they're forgiven, but repent, forsake, your, you forsake those sins, right? He, he says it, we don't have the security to admit our sins because we think that if we do go to God and tell him about our sins, he's going to smack us, right? And so we're afraid to admit them. We're afraid to admit them to our friends because we know they're going to smack us or think less of us, right? And finally, fear-based obedience, he says, will always make it difficult to endure suffering or troubles. We'll either think God is paying me back for the bad that I've done, or God has abandoned me, or maybe I finally crossed that line. And another way to look at it is you just see your troubles as, well, it's not fair. I, I gave my life to God. I committed myself to him. And, and here he's not taking care of me. Right? But if we view God through mercy, that he has been completely merciful to me, it changes things. You no longer live in fear. Jesus said, I, I don't give you a spirit of fear, but of what? Love and a sound mind. Get, get our minds fixed on the fact that God is merciful. Now, we need to all say this. I'm saved because of God's mercy and grace and nothing else. Got that? Can we all say it together? I'm saved because of God's mercy and grace. Period. Thank you, Olga. Nothing else. That's it. You can't earn more kudos with God by being nice, although it's good to be nice, right? But you're saved because of God's mercy, period. Now, he goes on and he says, now, now offer your bodies as living sacrifices, okay? Living sacrifices. I want to talk about sacrifice for just a minute here. Um, there are two kinds of sacrifices the Jews would give. The one sacrifice was the sacrifice for sins, Okay? The worshiper had to shed blood or have blood shed on their behalf to cover their sins. And it lasted about a year. Then they had to co- come back and do it again. Right. In the meantime, you're kind of, whoa, OK. So, you know, you do your best not to sin for a little while. But then, you know, ooh, blew it. So I need to find another sacrifice. But that was a sacrifice for sins to receive forgiveness from God. It happened in the temple all the time. And uh, and it was. Not really, really a good scene. So what does God do? He says, I'm going to do a one-time sacrifice for everybody for all time. I'm going to send my son Jesus, who will live his sinless life, and he will be crucified on the cross, and he will have his blood shed to cover the sins of all mankind. Past, present, future. Every sin will be taken care of. So this living sacrifice is not related to your salvation. Okay? Your sacrificial giving, your sacrificial life, acts acts of sacrifice that you do in your life, it doesn't save you. 
That's happened through Jesus' mercy that he shed for you, right? Okay? So the other offering is the offering that he's talking about. And that was a whole burnt offering. Uh, usually it was a valuable animal. If you were, if you were poor, God said, you, you can buy a dove, okay, for a couple pennies, whatever. Whatever you have, but the bottom line here is it was the best that you had. If you had, you're going to offer a lamb, you don't get the, the kind of scruffy one that kind of limps when it comes to the feeding trough, you know. You, you find the best one and you give it to him. If you're going to give, give your crop, what do you do? You, you take the first best of your crop and you give it to him. When, when, you, when you decide to, to take clothing to give to a poor person, what do you do? Do you take your best coat or do you take your old one? Mm, that's a good question, right, that I don't really want to answer. Okay, but what? It was expensive. And get this, it was to be burned up completely. It was going to be consumed. You weren't going to get that again. You weren't going to get it back. Okay? It was a gift given to God. Why? Because of God's mercy. Because you love God so much. And it represents this complete consecration. That's a word for being set apart for doing God's will. Okay? And, and so this reflects our complete and utter devotion to God. I hope that you've learned the, the joy of giving your best, the first. You know, that, that when, when you start figuring out your budget, the first bit of whatever you get is a gift to God. Right? Why? Because that's the best. It's the best. I hope when you, when you receive a little windfall from somebody or something and, you know, you've received this money, you don't immediately start thinking about what, what you're going to do with it for yourself. But instead say, wow, this is a gift from God. Maybe I need to think about doing something special in service to God to help others give away, like supporting a missionary, right? I mean, that's what we need to be about. I know it's been, been said many times, the problem with a living sacrifice is it keeps trying to squirm off the altar. You know? But, but we're not talking about sacrificing our life, at, like shedding our own blood. What we're doing is we're talking about a living sacrifice. And now, now, a living sacrifice is interesting. Because this was the sacrifice that was going to be consumed, burned up. It, it, was, a, it was a gift to God, Right? Living sacrifice doesn't mean it doesn't refer to your living life, breathing life, right? It's not like you know you're the, the trying to squirm off the altar because your your life is at risk. It's not like that. Living sacrifice means it's alive. It's a sacrifice that's alive. That it's continually happening. That my life is a life that's going to continue to be a sacrificial life. See, that sacrifice is going to live on in me. The way Jesus lived is going to go on in me. And we, we shouldn't view that as a sacrifice. It's now just how we live. When we 
pour out our love and our, and our thanks to God, it's, it's by, by giving ourselves completely over to God and living a God-centered life in view of God's mercy completely is what? It's pleasing to God. Isn't that cool? That God smiles when you live your life in a sacrificial way? And so he, he goes on, he says, So, here's the deal, don't conform any more to the pattern of this world. What's the pattern of this world? You are the center of the universe. You're the one that makes the decisions for yourself. You decide what you want to do and what you don't want to do. You live your life for you and you only. You grab it and get it. I saw a commentary on on the 60s, uh, how music changed the 60s and all the stuff. And and they interviewed this one little gal. and, And they were talking about the Jesus movement when it happened like in 69, you know. And, uh, and this little gal was being interviewed. She says, well, I'm not really into that Jesus movement stuff. I, I, I worship Satan. Because, because Satan, when you worship him, it seems like you get what you want a lot faster. You know what? She was speaking truth. Satan loves to give you stuff. If you want stuff, yeah, Satan's the guy to go to. But if you want a satisfying life, if you want... A life that's centered in, the, in the, the kind of life that God originally created you to be. In the way that he created you to function. You are going to suddenly realize, okay, this is what I was made for. And there's going to become this satisfaction that just, just infuses your soul. That's what God wants you to do. So don't think the way the world thinks, more for me, but be transformed. You're going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you do that by what? By seeing the way Jesus lived his life as an example for all of us. And then you see scads of information about how not to live. Right? There's one verse in Corinthians that says, the whole of the Old Testament was written to teach us how not to live. Pretty, pretty good summary. Right. But Jesus now is the one who goes before us to help us learn what it means to love and view God as our our father, our heavenly father who provides everything that we need. He says, then you're going to test and approve what God's will is, his good will, his pleasing will, his perfect will. Isn't that interesting? When we finally give ourselves to this life that we know that we are living in order to sacrifice through worship, through giving, through compassion, through forgiveness, all those things that Jesus did to help those people that are marginalized, all those ways in which Jesus lived is is for us. And then suddenly we're going to find out that it's good. This is pleasing. This, This is God's will for me. So, No wonder why Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. He says, for me to live, to really live, is Christ. It's Christ. And to die is what? It's gain. It seems counterintuitive, but that living sacrifice, just just view myself as I'm, I'm dying. But you know what? I'm really living it up. I really am. I, I know that some of you know people who are Christians and, and they're just filled with joy. You know why? Because they live their life in view of God's mercy. 
They sacrifice themselves through offerings of love to God, a free sacrifice that's given. And they're giving stuff away that they're never going to get back. But you know what? It makes them feel so good when they do it. Because that's what God designed us for. So if you mean it, why don't you say it with me? For to me, to live is Christ and die is gain. All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for um, this wonderful passage that you inspired Paul to write that teaches us what true worship really means. Lord, we're in the middle of a time now where we're, we're focusing on you um, through sacrificing certain things, uh, fasting from certain things, whether it be food or media or whatever it is. God, I know that during those times, that's when Satan kind of loves to come back in and, and say, ah, you really need that. Um, don't give that up. Um, God, help us to, to joyfully embrace the sacrifices that you call us to make and the way that you call us to live so that we please you, but ultimately, too, we, we, we feel good about doing that. And we have this deep, deep sense of satisfaction that our longing for you is satisfied. So, God, as we, as we think more, uh, uh, we read through the end of, of the verses in chapter 12, where you, you outline for us so many beautiful things that we can do in this life of sacrifice. God, help us to focus on those things today. Help us to give ourselves completely over to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.